you are 100% responsible for your life. Nobody's going to come save you. And most of my life I was waiting for someone to come save me. And then I created this life that I detested. And so, okay, well, if I created this life that I detested, then I can create a life that I love because I have the power. Like nobody else is going to do it. I like it is 100% my responsibility to do what I need to do to create the life of my dreams. If I could give you one message that could dramatically shift the direction of your life, I would tell you to visualize a world in which there was no judgment for the decisions you've made in the past, in which you weren't paralyzed by fear and you could make decisions that were in alignment with the life you desire to live. One in which you could speak only the truth of what exists on your heart. I would tell you to look at the life you're living now and reflect deeply on what you really wish could change. And then have you look down at the life you just created and the life you're living now. And I get real close and I look you in the eye. That type of look that says, this is too important to let pass. Your life is too important to let pass. And I'd lean in and with your full attention on me and those two life paths, I'd say, you choose. Welcome to the You Choose podcast. I'm your host, Billy Garson Jr. I'm a former division one and professional athlete turned men's mental health advocate. I'm a transformation coach, public speaker, and I'm the proud founder of the You Choose movement, which exists to equip young men with the tools and techniques to choose a life that is in alignment with their highest self. It is my greatest honor and privilege to be with you today, the young man who is in a period of great transition in his life, who's asking questions and seeking answers. And on this podcast, through a series of interviews with professional athletes, men's coaches, and self-help gurus, we aim to educate, equip, and inspire you to bridge the gap between where you are and where you aspire to be. So listen deeply and find yourself in the stories of those who've sat in your shoes and now walk in the areas in which you wish to walk. Only once we step out of our comfort zone to embrace our shadows can we realize that hidden in the depths of our darkness await our most profound gifts. Those are the words of our guest today, whose words are much a reflection of his own experience as they are a message to those he serves. Nick Warner is a former retail architect turned architect of transformational experiences. Nick uses some of the most effective and transformational methodologies such as breathwork, plant medicine, sacred intimacy and men's work to help others peel back the layers of culturally sanctioned socially permeated models of behavior and conditioning with the primary goal of empowering those yearning for clarity, confidence, and connection to rediscover the power of living on purpose fully from their heart. And as always, that's what he does, but let's peel back the layers and discover what brought him to this point. To do so, I'm gonna quote a passage from a recent podcast I heard Nick speak on. I got to New York, Start of 2009, financial crisis is in full force. 75% of architects have lost their jobs. I had no contacts, no network, and I was a fucking mess. I was working at a dive bar making tips because of the visa I had. My life became a real dark place, and I got pretty heavily into drugs. Let that be a brief insight into the story of a man who has seemingly lived 10 lives in one. And like many men, he reached a point in his life where his only satisfaction was found in the numbness of addiction. Unable to bear the pain of his existence, everything else, including his marriage, suffered. So he left it all behind and he set out on a journey of healing and discovery. And guided by blind faith and a deep knowing that he has the power to create the life of his dreams, he relinquished control and logic and was pulled deep into the darkness of his blackest shadows and the pits of his own despair. Through silence, darkness, temples, ashrams, jungles, mountains, and deserts, he began to discover from the depths of his pain would shine his light. And after a three and a half year journey across the globe, his purpose and vision appeared with crystal clear clarity. 
And today, on this episode, you're going to hear the story of the man who walked that path, travel into the depths of his being and discovering his most authentic light. So sit tight, listen deeply, and yet again, find yourself in the journey of a man who's walked in your shoes and now walks in the areas you wish to walk. So without further ado, Nick Warner, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hey, that was quite the intro. Thank you. <laughs> of course, this has been long awaited. I think, uh, as I shared with you off air, we've been trying to do this, guys, for <laughs> a good few months now, but we got there in the end and I couldn't be more excited. And honestly, Nick, reading into your, doing my research for this podcast, I think I could take this in a million different directions with your story, your journey, the work you do now. Uh, and I sat with, I like to begin pretty profoundly. And I sat for a long time thinking about where I'd begin this podcast. And what I came to is, I want to begin in a space that in quote unquote rags to riches stories, in, in any success story, in any journey of anybody, uh, it is very rarely talked about the gap that exists and what goes on in the mind of somebody between, as you shared, numbing from addiction and then taking a leap of faith and going and exploring the world and finding yourself. And so I want to begin with that gap. I want to begin in the gap of you running from the world and then making a conscious choice to embrace the world. Mm. And where I really want, really want to go with you is I want to hear you take us, me, the audience, on a journey of what was going on in your head and in your heart between that period of running all the way up until the moment where you decided, I'm going to take a leap of faith and, and change something here. All right. The, uh, I mean, just to, you kind of touched on it in the introduction, but the, the despair of life was living, basically was living without purpose. So I was working as an architect, which was something that I thought my dad wanted. Um, I was doing things because I thought that's what other people, no, I thought, because that's what other people wanted. That's what other people expected of me. So rather than following my own heart, my own dreams, I went down this journey of kind of trying to make everybody else happy. Mm. And I ended up in this place and I was married to a beautiful woman. She is a beautiful woman. We're very close still. Um, I was in this career. I was living in a beautiful apartment in Berlin. And you know, one after the other, the hits would come and I'd just, instead of really sitting with it and feeling it, I would just go deeper and deeper into numbness and I'd just go out on the weekends and I'd party on the weekends and I'd drink and take drugs during the week and I'd go to work and I just, I was living this very, very painful existence, but I didn't want to feel it because it was too much. It was too overpowering. And it just... You know, when you don't feel it and when you don't reflect on it and when you try to ignore it, it just gets bigger and bigger and starts to weigh more and more heavily. And at some point, my wife had an affair and my whole life was just like, wow. And that became the tipping point. That became the catalyst for, I guess, something has to shift. Something has to shift because if it doesn't shift, I'm going to end up killing myself and it's not the person I want to be. I've had experience family and friends who have suicided in the past and I was like okay that's not the direction I'm going so what do I need to do and I'd kind of had my foot or my toe in this self-development world for a while and it always had interested me but I'd never fully gone into it and I decided to just give up the life that I had and go traveling and people would say to me, what are you going to do? What's your plan? And there was no plan. My plan was to just live, begin living a life doing only the things that I love doing. And that was, you know, the whole folly bliss kind of situation where I didn't have a plan and I didn't have a direction, but I just needed to change my life and to kind of inject happiness into my life. Mm. And by doing that, by following your bliss and by filling your life with things that you really love doing, your frequency shifts. And then once that happens, things start to change and then the synchronicities start to occur and suddenly you're more in alignment and then things happen. Mm. And 
So there's this period of time of probably five years of intense disheartenment, like, you know, disharmony, just kind of going deeper and deeper into darkness. And then I set about traveling and I did some really intense things as far as my own self work. So the first thing I did was sit in darkness for 11 days and there was, I'd never heard about it. I never, I didn't realize that people did it. I didn't know it was a thing. And then I just, I'm in this situation in Mexico where suddenly everybody's talking about it. And then I'm going to Guatemala where this thing is. And suddenly they have a space for me because normally it's booked out for months. And and suddenly I'm sitting in darkness and you can't see your hand in front of your face and all you have is your thoughts. But what I've always done was if I think about something too much, I'll, I'll ignore it, I'll distract myself, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. But yeah. when you don't have the opportunity to escape, you're faced with, with a decision and that is to kind of look at it we're not faced with a decision. You, I mean, you have to look at it. You cannot escape. So I did, I went on this journey of like just deeply self-reflecting on where I was in life and what I was doing. And then I got to this one point in the jungle where I came to a crossroads of like, okay, I've now fully accepted the fact that the life that I have was absolutely not the life that I wanted. And the life that I wanted is on the other side of fear. Because the fear means I have to give up everything and start again. Mm. And that was too overwhelming. But I knew that I didn't have a choice. So then I was like, okay, so what does that look like? What does it look like to quit architecture, to get divorced, to change my lifestyle, to just basically scrap it all at 33 and start again? And... That's essentially what I did. And I went back and I made a bit more money and went about traveling. And I traveled with no goal other than my own healing and my own self-discovery and my own following my bliss, but following my bliss with the purpose of healing. And um, it was in the other side of that where everything started to make sense and all the nuggets of gold started to kind of rise to the top wow surely there was fear that arose before you first took that leap and began traveling the fear is always there the the very first time i went traveling it was not fear it was excitement it was like get me the fuck out of here and i need to get out of my life and just go be by myself and and just spend time by myself When I went, so basically I traveled for seven and a half months and then I came back and worked for a few months and I traveled for a year and a half nonstop, came back, worked for a few months and then traveled for another six months. And the second time I went, the second phase of that travel was, it was excitement. But there was a deep fear in, okay, but you know, this, there's a point to this, there's a purpose to this and you don't know what that is and you don't know what direction that is. But the excitement was also, okay, I get to do the things that I'd never done and I get to have these experiences which scare the shit out of me and, you know, that's what my life became, a series of events and of experiences that I look back and say, yeah, fuck, that was punchy. So... I saw on another podcast, uh, I was listening to you speak and you said when you first, I, I believe it was when you first went traveling, you said you spent your days meditating, mm. uh, doing yoga and drawing, because mm. those were the things that you love. The first thing that enters my mind when I think of that is the little voice in my head that would tell me you should be working, uh, you should be making money, this is a waste of your time. And then the little boy inside of me that's screaming, this is the best thing ever and the contradicting voices. And so often in my life, the one that's shouting, you should be working and making money has won. Was that ever a thought that entered your mind? Yeah. And then it was followed by the question, says who? 
Like, I should do this. Why? Mm. Why should I do anything? Because I, sh- the things that I did my entire life were based on I should be doing this. And then I was in a place where I was like, oh, fuck that. I should be focusing on my own healing. I should be focusing on living a life based on who I am and what my version of happiness is. And it got to a point at the end of the traveling where I was sitting in a cafe in India. Like I still, I wasn't, there was something missing. There was something like I'd done all of these things and I had these experiences and learned all these things. And there was just one piece missing. And I was sitting in this cafe in India and suddenly men's work just kind of exploded in like a ball of light around me. And I started fucking weeping in this cafe because I was like, that's it. Like, this is the thing. This is every cell in my body has just lit up and this is the fucking path. And Mm -hmm. that day I was sitting, I went to order food and I heard this guy in this cafe, it was this huge plate of organic, healthy, beautiful food. And it was like $2. (laughs) And this kid next to me complained that it was too expensive. And I was like, okay, what I need to do now is stop the traveling. And I need to go home and I need to ground and I need to be around people who are driven and successful. And that's the life that I now, not should, but now want to do. Mm -hmm. So my time traveling, being a backpacker, kind of doing all these things that had, there was a very very distinct moment in time where I was like, okay, I'm done with this. Wow. I need to be around different people now. Wow. Could we speak into for a second the change of environment and circumstances and almost the dramatic change of life that you took to shift everything? I know you just touched on it, but I want to I wanna relate this to the audience. There are so many men that I speak to that are sat in their misery mm. right now. They're sat in their confusion. They're sat in their deep isolation and they're asking questions as to what will get them out of it. Mm. And you took an approach that I don't often hear, but also sounds so radically transformative. What would you say to those men? It's a very case dependent answer. Because some people are sitting there and they have a family and they've got a mortgage and they've got their job and it's just, they are stuck in a very specific situation. Mm. There are other men who have worked in a career and they've got all this money and they're sitting there and they're kind of in like a golden cage where they can't really escape, but they could. And there are other guys who hate their job. They've got nothing keeping them there, but they're just missing the motivation or the direction. Mm. So I'll speak to the direction of each Kind of, I'll try and I'll Great. pull out of a direction for. Let's do because it. for the for the man that can just give up everything because he has no responsibilities, no major responsibilities. That was where I was, and it's like, okay, so what do you want? Like, what do you want in life? Is it you need to find your purpose? Is it you need to find happiness? Is it you need to heal? Get clear on what you want. And this is one of the major, um, where I kind of really get men to lean into as far as healthy masculinity is clarity. Mm. Because once you work out what you want, then you can create a structure around getting that. Most guys don't have the clarity. And they don't have the clarity because they're too easily distracted from sitting there and actually realizing what it takes to get that clarity. So David Data speaks about it and it's been an ancient tradition for thousands of years of a vision quest where you go and for four days you sit and you do nothing. And you don't journal, you don't have your phone, you don't eat, you don't drink, you literally sit. And for four days and four nights you do nothing. And at some point, a piece of you kind of comes to the top and it's like, man, as soon as you get out of here, this is the thing you have to do. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes kind of the part, that, that becomes like the breadcrumb. Okay, so that's the direction I have to go in. 
but most most guys don't allow themselves to get to that point. And they'll sit there and they'll get distracted with their phone. They'll get distracted with porn. They'll jerk off. They'll go out and like whatever it is because they can't sit through that discomfort. So if you have the capacity to give up everything and just follow that bliss and kind of really go on a, on a path of discovery and exploration, go do some kind of a vision quest. Mm. Like just some kind of a retreat where you're by yourself, where you're not distracted, where you can't, where you can't distract yourself. Yeah. And just see what comes up. Can you touch on vision quest deeper? I love that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tradition from North America, I believe. So there are different paths of it. There are different versions of it. Um, but typically as a, as a rite of passage, as an initiation from boyhood to manhood, they would send a boy out and for four days and four nights, he'd be by himself in nature. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that process, he would then discover his vision to become a man and he would step into manhood. Wow. Um, it's incredibly powerful. It's really, it's a, it's a process where you, know, you have to face your own soul. And it's just one of the major issues we, we have in society is that there is no tradition of rite of passage for boys in the West. So in every other culture in the world, coming of age 12, 13, 14 years old, they'll take the boy away from his mother and they'll, with a group of men, put him through some kind of an initiatory, initiatory rite. And for girls, when they get their periods they become a woman. Yeah. But for boys, we have nothing. Mm. And now that we don't have a rite of passage, we've got a whole lot of men running around who are psychologically still boys. Um, look at anybody, any man leading any kind of um, government in the world at the moment, and they still have this psychology of boy. Yeah. So that's the vision quest, and it's the purpose of the vision quest, and it's something that you can do as a man just to gain clarity on the next phase of your life. Mm. Um, for those men that don't have the ability to just give up everything because they're stuck in a life like a golden cage of a family and a mortgage and all these things even if it's an hour a day what is the gift that you want to give to the world and what would you another way to look at it is if you were to die next week what would you have to do to give everything possible what's the one piece that you could actually spend an hour a day doing which would make you feel fulfilled mm. and you know start with an hour and then at some point on the weekend you do more and then eventually you just allow this this part of your life that lights you up you just introduce that into your life more and more until eventually it becomes something greater and what about the man who sat in maybe his latter years of university right now he's 21 22 he doesn't necessarily have the finances to go and travel. He also feels that maybe he's at the behest of his parents in some ways. What do you say to him? What do you want? Hmm. If you don't know what you want, then go traveling. Because it costs, you know, you get a flight and you go somewhere and you do a work away or you do wolfing or you do something where you're paid to live. It's, it doesn't take a lot of money to get you, yourself out of your situation and to put yourself somewhere where you don't know anyone. Perhaps it's a different culture, perhaps it's you know, a different language, different whatever. But go somewhere where nobody knows you and just discover yourself. Um, I met people when I was traveling, they traveled for three years on a, you know, a couple of thousand dollars. It's wow. like... You can make it work. Wow. So it's just where there's a will, there's a way. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. I think what I'm hearing is that exactly that. I mean, you, you ended it so perfectly. If there's a will, there's a way. I think there's too many that want the way, but the will is not strong enough. Well, the will is saturated with fear. Mm -hmm. So how do you flip that on its head? 
fear is your compass. Fear is the thing that, you know, Joseph Campbell, the cave you fear to enter, the treasure you seek is in the cave you fear to enter. And that is just, there is never a more truer statement. Hmm. Everything that you're looking for, everything you don't know you are seeking lies on the other side of everything that you fear to do. There's a, what I saw recently in, in something you put out in relation to men, right? And how your own fear of men, how your own lack of trust in men um, prevented you from doing so much. And there's a passage you wrote that I want to share because it related so much to my experience. And I want to dive into a little bit of a rabbit hole here as you just touched on fear. You said, I've never trusted the masculine. I've been so consistently fucked over from a young age that I couldn't. From having best friends steal girlfriends to getting jumped and beaten up, to being cheated on and lied to and betrayed and assaulted, my fallback was just to spend more time with women. It felt safer and far more comfortable. Now I relate to this massively. Even something that to be radically honest exists still in my life today where I would say that I have more women in my life than men. And the question I really want to ask is, you continued in that talking about peeking your head out. You continued in that caption talking about how you have to peek your head out. Again, fear arises when that comes. And so my question is, what does it look like to, what did it look like for you to rebuild trust with men in your life? It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful topic because it is so prevalent in society that we as boys and as teenagers and even as men get taught to fear or to not to fear, but to, you know, the, the toxic masculine. Yeah. You know, we, you can't be that. You have to be something different. And it's like, okay, well, if we have to be something different, then most guys think that different is opposite. So they go the opposite of the toxic masculine. But by doing that, they throw away all of the positive traits of masculinity and then suddenly they find themselves as a nice guy. And the nice guy has more female friends because he doesn't trust masculinity. Yeah. If he doesn't trust masculinity externally, he doesn't trust it internally. So he's not willing to step up into his true God-given power as a man. He also manipulates because he doesn't ask for what he wants. He doesn't set boundaries and he expects other people to just know what he wants. So he'll do things wanting something in return, but without actually asking for it. Um, it's a, for me, it's as dangerous to society as the toxic masculine is the nice guy. Mm. It's just the opposite end of the spectrum as far as shadow. So how that looked like for me was to spend a lot more time around men. So I'd go in over these men's groups where there's 50 men and over time, it didn't happen right away, but over time you start to really feel into these men that everybody's in the same, you know, maybe different phases of life, but everybody, you know, everybody experiences the same issues. Everybody experiences the same kind of shit. And then you start to spend more time with these men and you're like, actually, this guy's solid. Yeah. And then you ask for things that you've never been able to ask for, you've never wanted. You ask for support in certain ways and everybody's super willing to help out. And suddenly it gives you a different perspective on men because you've just, at some point when you stopped trusting men, you just kind of, you lost this out of your life. You, you lost the opportunity to be around good men. Yeah. So by putting yourself back into that situation, by being around good men, you start to learn that actually it is absolutely necessary to have as a man in your life. And mm. there's a, a very dear brother and teacher of mine that talks about the, the masculine totem pole to have white hairs, gray hairs, young bucks and boys in your life. 
So to be able to tap into the wisdom of the white hair, so the guy that's in his 60s or above, that just has knowledge and wisdom that you've never fucking been able to just through a lack of life experience. Then you have the the gray hairs, so the guys that are kind of 45 and older, who again, especially the ones that have been doing this work for a while, they just have a different perspective. Yeah. And then the young bucks are 20 and above, and it's kind of the people of our generation. And then boys, the ones that have a completely different perspective because they've grown up at a different time and they have different different tools and different things that you can tap into, which you haven't because you're not a part of that generation. Wow. So to have that masculine totem pole is fundamentally profound. Yeah. How have you cultivated that in your life? I think yeah. the biggest fear for men, uh, for the men that I speak to, is going out and taking the initiative and the responsibility to find those people. How did you cultivate that in your life? I wanted a men's circle. So I made one. And over the couple of years that I was doing it regularly, that just became bigger and bigger and expanded. So I started a men's community. COVID happened. That kind of got put on hold. So then I joined other communities of men. Uh, I found teachers that really inspired me and then I would do the work with those guys. Mm. And then I just it became a part of my life. Mm. And now I've incredibly beautiful brothers all around the world that range from 20s to 60s. Mm. One of the biggest things I'm hearing in, that's almost shining through in everything we've spoken about so far is your change has been heavily a result of you taking radical ownership mm. Mm. of your change mm. in everything you've done. You've taken responsibility for putting yourself in the places, for doing the things and for changing your life at its highest point. Do you see that as a major differentiator between where you were and where you are? It's a very beautiful piece. It's the most liberating and painful thing that I ever learned was that you're 100% responsible for your life. Nobody's going to come save you. And most of my life, I was waiting for someone to come save me. And then I created this life that I detested. And so, okay, well, if I created this life that I detested, then I can create a life that I love. Because I have the power. Like, nobody else is going to do it. I Like, it is... 100% my responsibility to do what I need to do to create the life of my dreams. And I was in a retreat a couple of weeks ago in, in Spain and I was laying there at the end of this breath work just weeping tears of gratitude because I have created for my life, for myself a life that I would have never dreamed possible. And it's, I'm so fucking blessed. Like it is that, my life is that beautiful. Mm. And you know, six years ago, sitting in the jungle faced with this thing, fear or love, the fear of having to give up everything and start again or just, or just fall back into this unhappy yet comfortable life. Mm. And I followed the fear and the fear led me to this point. Mm. I followed the fear. I followed the fear. I know we just mentioned ownership. I think in taking ownership, when you're in a place of fear that continues to arise, I think what I've continued to notice in my own journey is there's also a major difference between leaning into trust or lacking trust and lacking faith in where you're going. How did you cultivate that when things were so uncertain? It's something that came through experience of I don't have any fucking idea if this is going to work. But I've got no other option. Mm. And then the universe would just dish me the most beautiful, unexpected gifts. I'm like, oh, 
okay, actually that does work. Wow. And this happens so often that it got to a point where it's like, man, why do I doubt? Why do I question my connection to the divine and the universe's ability to give me everything that I could ever possibly need? And there's a the book, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. There's just, it changed my life when I read it because I was in a place of resistance. Like, oh, this is not how I need it to be. And I want this to be like this. And then I read this book and it's like, man. And he speaks about us being so intrinsically a part of nature that nature, like, you know, nature is the most beautiful thing ever. And if we are so intrinsically a part of that, and the will of human has been taken out of everything that is beautiful in nature, is it too far-fetched to think that if we take our will out, that the universe is not trying to give us the most beautiful life ever? And mm-hmm. time and time again, I'm reminded that, dude, just fucking set your intention, do what you love. And when you're in alignment, life just fucking lights up and the synchronicities happen and it's like, why do, why do I not, why do I forget that I'm taken care of? Like so taken care of. I love this topic of discussion. I love where we're going. And <laughs> for the man who's sitting here right now in that period of doubt, me been in that moment many times where it's like life has proven to me over and over again that I'm so guided, that I'm so connected and that I, when I trust all that I need, comes to me. For the man who is lacking trust right now, can you just touch on an example in your life where you got into alignment? I think what you shared there is becoming so true that you must be in alignment. Where you got into alignment and life showed up for you. The first one that comes to mind was after all of my travels, I went back to work in architecture because I still needed the money. And I was working... 14 hour days and doing the men's work stuff on the side, but complaining because the men's work stuff was kind of the thing that was calling me the strongest, but I didn't have enough time. And then at some point COVID happened and the client that I was working for, the the project stopped. So I was out of work and I was like, holy shit, I wanted the time to work on the men's stuff and now I've got it. And the first week that that happened, I had three different men call me up and say, man, I need coaching. Can you do it? I was like, holy shit. Like wow. that's, that's exactly what I was afraid of, that I wouldn't be able to make money doing the men's work thing. And then wow. as soon as I stopped the architecture, boom. The money just showed up. There was. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. I want to... Um, I took a lot from what you post. I take a lot from what you shared in your website. I take a lot from the words you use. You have a beautiful way with words. And I resonate a lot with a lot of the things you share. And there's another piece that I want to share that, again, relates to me and I know every man listening so heavily, which is in relation to the feeling as though there are so many different parts of us that are all a part of us yet we shut off so many parts of ourselves. And for me, I know it was, again, a deep fear of uh, people thinking that I was just changing like the wind. That's a saying, right? It's it's seen as a derogatory saying, you're changing like the wind, you change like the wind, you change like the wind. And so I'm gonna read this and I wanna wanna again hear your perspective on this because it's something I relate to heavily. You said there are multiple paths men's work can take from sitting around a fire and crying to the uber hardcore physical, touching the deepest, most painful parts of our psyche to sharpening each other through fire and pain, sitting in deep stillness to full on celebratory dance, acknowledging the primal masculine part in us that would kill to the soft feminine aspect that can sit under a tree and write poetry. To deny any of it is to deny a part of ourselves and that has never worked out for anyone. So this is simultaneously the most fascinating and at the same time, the most deeply confusing piece of my personal journey, of my personal journey. One that I feel I 
have navigated and and uh, encountered at so many different points. And that is the feeling that I can be one version of myself and not another, all in one. And there's been moments in my life where I've shut off the feminine and I've been hyper-masculine because I've tried to play that guy. And there've been moments in my life where I've shut off the masculine to play entirely the feminine and, and almost ran away and ignored the, the tendency in me to just be a man and all that comes with being uh, and, and, and containing and holding in me the masculine tendencies, like you said, to, uh, to be a savage in many ways. And I want to ask you, how have you been able to so openly, fully express every piece of yourself without concern for others? At some point... I realized that I was doing so much based on the perspective of others that it was a huge part of my unhappiness. Mm. I would literally from the career I was in to the way that I was dressed to everything that I was doing was with how will somebody else perceive it. And when I realized that that was absolutely not the way I needed to be living my life, I, and it all, I mean, it, it also comes with life experience. It, it's like, I got to a point where I was like, actually, why the fuck do I care? Yeah. Like, why do I care if somebody else doesn't like the way that I live? Why do I care if somebody judges the way I dress? And it, for me, it was just, it was a, an eradication of everything out of my life that wasn't fully authentic. And to the point where I just became so clear on who I am and what I like and what I believe. And again, with this clarity piece, it's just like, it is so powerful to speak to someone that just knows exactly what they want. Mm. And it's one of the biggest turns on for the feminine is just this clarity. Mm. And I'm not playing a role. I'm not trying to impress. I'm not trying, like it's, and this came up in the past few months, maybe a bit longer with what I was not posting on social media because people might get offended. And if people get offended, then I might lose some followers. And this whole fucking story of like, hang on a second. That is not authentic. Yeah. And if I can speak my truth in a time within society where speaking your truth is considered courageous rather than the norm, how how is that not more authentic than anything else? Hmm. So I'd start to post stories and start to just kind of not hold back on speaking my truth on social media. And yeah, sure, a few people get pissed off and they write to me and they argue with me and say, yeah, whatever. But so many people reach out and just, they're so grateful for the fact that somebody can actually just say what needs to be said. And this is one of the most fascinating things is that you are so unique as a human in all of your experience and all of your, mm. your life journey and your life story. Why the fuck would you want to try and be someone else? Like it just, it makes Why do we no do that? Why do we do that? It makes no sense. And so the more, the more true to yourself you can be, the more profound life becomes. And then the more people come to you because you are so unique and it's like holy shit man i want to spend time around you because you're not like everybody else yeah you know what's crazy for me i have to touch on an example in my own life one of them is very much social media very similar uh to you in just the respect of speaking truth into what i believe 
in the world. And like you said, there'll be people that unfollow you and block you and reach out and all of these things. But the amount of people that not only reach out, but that I will see that I haven't seen in years, that I didn't even know they kept up with what I'm posting. And they're like, everyone's talking about you. Everyone's talking about what you're putting out in the world. And I'm like, here's me sat behind my fear of what that person would think for so long. And now they're admiring me for being courageous enough to talk. That's one example. But the main example for me, which only really shifted recently was you, you touched on what you wear, how you dress. For me, it's always been fit in, right? It's always been fit in, but not necessarily fit in in the respect of fit into what everybody's wearing, but fit into what it means to be an English boy living in San Diego. So I'm going to wear skinny jeans, right? And I'm going to wear the Calvin Klein V-neck, but I never felt like me in it. Never, ever, ever, ever felt like me. And at the same time, was so afraid to just wear what felt right when I put it on. And only in the past six months, really at the turn of this year, have I started buying clothes that, are, that I feel align with who I want to be, with the man I'm becoming. Um, and just shifting my fashion sense into um, what feels right. Mm. And the amount of people who have commented not only on my fashion, but commented on how they see me. You look more confident. You look more manly. You look like you've aged, like you've grown up. Just because of the way I dress has been one of the biggest mirrors back to being fully expressed in your authentic self that I've had in my entire life, in the entirety of my life. And so... I just think that's a beautiful point and I want to touch on that for, for everyone who's listening. Every man, woman who's listening, the majority of this audience is men, but there are so many of you who are sat behind that fear of what everyone's thinking and I think so many of us are just looking for the person to be the example so we can follow. And so I think that's so beautiful. I want to touch briefly on, on your journeys with, with plant ceremonies and the work that you do in that space, that's, that's something that's been a major curiosity of mine for a long time. I know a lot of people listen and ask me uh, about that as well, and I don't have a lot to say on it at this moment, and I know you do. And so, um, first and foremost, I want to hear about your first sort of initiation into that world. Um, the confusion has probably kept me away for so long, and I, I would love you to speak clarity into where you were at and where that journey's taken you? I, I reckon for six or seven years, I'd heard of ayahuasca and I was interested in drinking, but I wanted to wait till I got to Peru. And I was offered countless times to sit and say, no, 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 no. Like, this is something that I want to wait. And then I was going through Mexico on my way to Peru and I came into this community in the jungle and the guy was cooking ayahuasca and he's like, hey, we, we drink in five, in five nights on the Friday, we'll drink. You're more than welcome. I'm like, oh, I was going to wait to Peru. And I went through this whole story with myself. Ended up taking mushrooms the night before ceremony. And I just sat with him. I was just like, is this when I begin? Like, do I sit tomorrow night? And I got a resounding, dude, you need to fucking start now. So I went into ceremony and I was nervous and excited and like, you know, a million expectations of what this could be and what it's, and I sat there and I drank the first cup and I got nothing. And then I drank a second and I got nothing and everybody else is just flying. And I, <laughs> then I drank a third and I got nothing. And then I drank a fourth and the shaman's like, what the fuck is hell? wrong with you, a man? Fourth. And this girl sitting next to me, she's like, you need to get some help. And I'm like, oh because I was just, I was such a mess. And at some point, I won't go into it, but at some point something happened and it triggered, I basically felt safe and it triggered this release and this profound trauma release of like an hour of me just screaming and just kind of getting everything out in, that was happening in my life and that had happened leading up to that point. And from that 
from that point on, I went to Peru and then I went and stayed in the jungle for a little bit and dieted and then went back six months later and then just went deeper into it and spent a lot of time living in the jungle in Peru um, and just kind of being around people that this is their life and being around the shaman and his family where, you know, there's any ailment you have, they know the exact tree and the exact plant, the exact shrub of like, you just, you take this and you mix it with water. You take this and you chew on it. You take this and you snort it and you take this. And there's, you know, there's every plant has a spirit and these people speak to the spirits of the plants. And until you've actually been there and actually seen it, it sounds woo-woo. And it's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But then go do it. Like go sit with these medicines where these... And so from that point on, I I got into Cambo. And Cambo is this the frog poison. Um, an incredibly powerful medicine, super strong purgatives. How do you know, or how did they know at some point that if you burnt little holes in your skin and took the secretion off this one very specific frog and put it into this into the burn in your skin, that it would have such a profound transformational effect. So you can't just guess that. You can't yeah. guess or, or experiment and find that that leaf and that vine when mixed together and cooked over a few days and then you drink it. You can't fucking... There are so many million different possible combinations. So it comes through spirit. It comes through communicating with the spirits of the plants. And this is why plant medicine is so profound because it is, it gets to the root cause of your issue, of your trauma, of your pain, of your darkness. And it makes you look at it. So medication, pharmaceuticals, they'll cover up the, maybe they'll take care of the symptom or they'll cover the symptom up. But the root cause of why it's still there is still there. Yeah. And that's the, the beauty of plant medicine is that it just takes you to the point. It's like, all right, now fucking look at it. So no, 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 I don't want it. Look at it. You don't have a choice. Look at it. Mm. And then you look at it and then you shine light on it and then it heals and dissolves. And then that's it. Wow. And there are so many people that are so scared of it. And it's like, I get it. And the only darkness that you'll ever see on plant medicine is the darkness that's already inside of you. And if you don't deal with that, that shit's going to come back and kill you. That's so powerful. The only darkness that you'll see on plant medicine is the darkness that already lives inside of you. So maybe the fear is not so much of the plant and the fear is actually of yourself. Absolutely. I sat in one ceremony once with this woman and we were talking before, she was 49, couple of kids, never drunk before and she was petrified. I'm like said the same thing, like the only darkness that's inside of me. And she's like, yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Mm. So, okay. And then we sat in ceremony and I was having a great time. And then she was lying next to me and she starts screaming like fucking blue murder. And then I just, I just sat there and I smiled. I was like, fuck yes. Like you're doing it. 15 minutes later, she was giggling like a little schoolgirl, And she's like, oh my God, it's amazing. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but she never would wow. look that. Wow. So where does someone start? I know you said that this woman's 49. I think I have a very young audience, right? Mm -hmm. Early 20s, mm -hmm. right? Who have maybe experimented recreationally, some of them. Uh, and some of them are interested in, in going deeper into the parts of themselves that they're looking to explore. Where do you begin? Get clear on your why. Why do you want to do it? If you want to do it for the experience and because it's cool and it's trendy, then fucking good luck. Because that's when... So they call ayahuasca grandmother. Um, and they call peyote and San Pedro grandfather. Grandfather, you know, grandfather's pretty cool. He's gentle. Grandfather's fun. Grandmother, she'll kick your ass. Yeah. And she will really, really punish you if she needs to. And 
if you do these things for the experience, there's a very good chance that I'll be asking. And it can be some of the most painful shit you've ever experienced. If you're doing it with an intention of like, you know, I have something I need to heal, I have something that I want to look at, then find a shaman that either you trust or somebody has sat with before and trusts. Find a ceremony where there are only a few people. You know, some have sat in ceremony with 80 or more than 80 people, which is its own thing. But if you're going to drink for the first time, make sure around 15 or less is a really nice number. Um, So you want to be able to trust the shaman. You want to, you want to make sure that the music is good and then you want to make sure that the medicine is good. Yeah. And if those three things are aligned, then you'll have an amazing time. It might be painful. It's yeah. all hell. But yeah. I used to have this thing like go to the jungle, but after drinking for so long in the jungle, it's actually, no, that's not necessarily the best thing. Right. Wow. So actually, I have retreats that I do with men where we mix plant medicine and men's work for this mm. exact reason. Mm. For the guys on those that, retreats. Tell us just for the this. guys that either have never drunk or even ones that have. You know, often you go to a retreat and it's mixed and it goes for a few days and you go there and you have the experience and you leave. But these retreats... You go there with this intention of being around a group of men that are fully dedicated to healing. Mm. And you sit in ceremony with just men, which is another profound experience. And then you do shadow work. Mm. So then you, you have a look at these parts of you that perhaps you know you didn't realize were there. Mm. So the whole retreat is dedicated to your healing. And you're doing it with other men on the same quest. Wow. When are those? Tell us when those are. The next one is in uh, the end of August 25th in Spain, in Tenerife. Okay. Um, Not sure if this will go to air before that. But then the one after that is in Mexico, in Tulum, 6th of October. Okay. Um, And so for these, I have a maximum of 10 people. Okay. And it's like... I have curated them to be the most profound kind of experience you can hope for drinking plant medicine for the first time. Beautiful. Beautiful. Nate, we're going to transition in a second to the questions from the Brotherhood, from the YouTube Brotherhood. But before we do so, I know we just touched on some of the retreats. I think that's something I personally am interested in for sure. Um, what I want to hear from you is where else can people find you? What else do you have going on and where can people plug into the work that you and the medicine mm-hmm. that you put out in the world? So the main Instagram is my main go-to. Um, I have retreats that I run intensives for men where it's just men's work. Um, and this is like four days of kind of deep diving into healing into transformation into embodiment into understanding masculinity and what does masculinity look like for you and how can you best tap into your version of it Mm. um you know life-changing events to be honest then i have the medicine retreats and then i have um i've just started we had our first couples retreat in spain a few weeks ago where I take the men and then a friend takes the women and then we come together. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever been part of because one of the side effects of men's work and of kind of working on yourself is how you then show up for women. And again, one of the side effects of women's work is how they show up for men. And then to come together in a space where you have men and women working on themselves and then working in service to each other. It was just a heart expanding mind exploding. Um, So the next one of them is going to be in November uh, in Mexico. 
Wow. And the one of the it was kind of funny that men are not into this. Like, yeah. beautiful, conscious, single women were at this event <laughs> and there wasn't enough men. And I'm like, <laughs> what kind of a world we live in where, where that's a turnoff or that's, that's in, it's not a turnoff, but it's like, in, it can be intimidating for some yeah. men. Wow. Um, so that, that's something that we do. The next one's happening in, in November and it is truly profound and mm. a really beautiful experience. And then I have some online programs around intimacy, um, sexual empowerment for men and a whole kind of wow. sway. Of I things. love it. Beautiful. Everyone, if you're listening to this plug-in, I've been following Nick for a little while now. I follow his content. I've definitely got a deep interest in exploring more deeply, but he puts out real shit. He talks about real things and he puts out content that is nothing more than just to provide value and to share the truth of what exists on his heart. And so it is profound. It has changed me in many ways, just listening to the words he says. I mean, as you know, I shared some of them today in this in this podcast. So Nick, thank you. What we're going to do is we're going to transition now into the questions. I'm going to read the five questions all back to back and then we'll go back to the top and we'll take them one by one. All right. First one's from Dawson. He's from Texas. He's 21. He said, I feel like I'm moving at a hundred miles per hour, a hundred miles per hour all the time. But when I slow down, I beat myself up for not doing enough. How can I find the balance and accept myself for who I am? Second one's anonymous. I want to travel alone. It's funny, but to be honest, I'm scared. I'm scared that I'll be homesick, that I'll be alone, that I won't enjoy it, that I'm wasting money, etc. I just love some words of encouragement. Third one, Jacob from Ohio is 24. He said, are there periods in your life where you're meant to go slower? I used to wake up at 5.30 a.m. every day, um, was very rigid with my schedule and I got a lot done. Now I feel like my body needs rest, so I'm sleeping in more. And I'm not really sticking to a schedule. I can't work out whether to just fully embrace it or if I'm not being disciplined enough. How do I know? Uh, next one's anonymous. I'm so ready. I am so ready to be someone different. The only thing stopping me is the thought of what my family and friends will think if I all of a sudden just become someone entirely new. How do I do this? And then the final one is a question for me to you. I'm 23 years old and I want to know your 23-year-old self, what five lessons would you have had for your 23-year-old self? So let's start with the first one. Dawson, I feel like I'm moving at 100 miles per hour all the time, but when I slow down, I beat myself up for not doing enough. How can I find the balance and accept myself for who I am? Yeah, again, it's, we touched on this briefly, not doing enough based on what? Like, is that some expectation that he has on himself or some expectation from society or from his dad? Or, um, I'm a firm believer in sitting. One of, the, one of the best practices that I've been given and it's part of, it's kind of like this vision quest that we spoke on, is to meticulously do nothing. Hmm. Head over to BillyGartonJr.com. Scroll down to the section that reads, are you looking for a place to figure it all out? Click on the button that reads, count me in, fill out the information, and a member of my team will be sure to reach out to get you involved in the You Choose Brotherhood. Boy, will this brotherhood change your life. Community and connection meets courageous conversation. Monthly mastermind calls, bi-monthly brotherhood check-ins, mini courses, and answers to some of your life's greatest questions. We have it all in here. Head over to billygartonjr.com. Scroll down to the section that reads, are you looking for a place to figure it all out? Click on the button that reads, count me in, fill out the information, and a member of my team will be sure to reach out. Super excited to see you there. Nick, thank you so much. Honestly, this has been incredible. I think you've provided so much just pure wisdom and, and, and value, as you said, from you keep using the word authentic, just from an authentic place. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I really, really have. I really, really have. So thank you. Likewise, brother. To everyone else, 
I know I keep saying this, but if you haven't subscribed by now and you are messaging me, getting value from this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. It is what pushes this podcast out to more people. That is my deepest reason for doing this, is for people to hear, for people to listen. And if you're listening and gaining value, help someone else out by subscribing, by leaving a review and giving them the opportunity to hear what's what's being put in this podcast. Um, I appreciate you all so much for being here, for listening. And as I said to Jacob, I believe it was at the end of these questions, at the end of the day, it's a choice. It's a choice to either sit behind fear and continue remaining in the life you're living now. It's a choice to decide that you want change and to go and live it. So you choose. I'll speak to you next week. <laughs>